a good leader will push the success out to the people that, that they work with and they'll accept the blame. And the good coaches after a game, if they lose, they'll say, you know what, that, that's on me. I didn't have the team ready. I didn't have the staff ready. We didn't do the right things. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am so excited for this week's guest. Todd Kukan has a passion for leadership and growth, and it's earned him an independent speaker, coach, teacher, and trainer certification with the John Maxwell team. Throughout his career, Todd has done countless presentations, workshops, and seminars at local, state, national, and international conferences. Todd is passionate about sharing his experience and knowledge in communication, leadership, personal growth, corporate culture, and nonprofits. Todd is also a DISC certified consultant and writes for numerous publications, including international publications. He has also been certified as a DEI trainer for diversity, equity, and inclusion through Empowered Living. And I'm super excited to be able to jump into this conversation because Todd and I have known each other for a little bit, and we met through an amazing community of people that is supportive and allows people to grow and allows people to have this willingness to embrace what makes you independent and quirky while also jumping into a community of like-minded people. And so I know the quality that Todd brings to the stage, and I'm really excited for him to share that with you. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Group Coaching Program. If you are looking for that next level of success, if you're looking for the accountability, the relationships, the information, knowledge, and resources that will allow you to take your life and business to the level that you have been wanting to get to, then this program is for you. We are accepting new applications through the middle of October, so if you want to see whether it's a good fit, Click in the link below or head over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com and jump on my calendar. And without further ado, let's go ahead and talk to Todd today. Todd, how are you doing today? Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending upon where you are. I'm doing great, Amber. Good, good to see you. It's been a while. It has. I'm so glad that we were able to get this to happen. And, you know, to be honest, I wasn't sure whether it was going to because I am recovering from one of the worst colds I've ever had. So if you guys hear my voice start to go, I'm sorry about this. This is the first time I've been able to talk in a week. So oh, it worked out to be a good day to get your voice back. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and dig in first to a little bit about who you are. And I always like to start this conversation with knowing about who it was you thought you were going to be. Because I think that that's such an interesting conversation. So when you were growing up, planning your life, planning your career, thinking, this is what I want to be when I grow up, what did you want to be? 
It's interesting because I don't have a lot of memories in terms of like when I was a young kid, I wanted to be a fireman or a doctor or, but, but when I got to college, um, I got involved with the Wisconsin Badger basketball team and decided that that was going to be my career. Basketball coaching was going to be what I wanted to do. And I followed that for a little while and then uh, had a family, decided to divert my priorities to that and got back, got into the nonprofit world actually. And then I eventually now into full-time into leadership. And what, all of those things, when I look at them, I see so many um, overlapping qualities and personality traits that it requires to be good at all of those things. What do you think is the top one or two for you that has transcended across all of those things that has allowed you to be successful? I think one key one is, is how you treat people. And it sounds, it sounds maybe cliche, whatever the case might be, but when you're involved in, in coaching, it's, it's how you treat your, your fellow coaches, your assistant coaches, how you treat your players, all the people on the team, statisticians, managers. It's really those relationships. And people will play for you if you show them how much you care rather than showing them how much you know. So, And that's been true in the nonprofit world as well. It's all about giving. It's about servant leadership. It's about helping and supporting others. And really yourself as yourself is maybe second, third, or fourth in, in the priority. And now obviously being in the, in the leadership world and, and uh, working with people and their core values and working with company cultures, that's, that's more prevalent too. So I think that whole, the whole concept of, of relationships, working well with others, and really putting others first in that servant leadership role. Yeah. Um, what level of basketball did you end up coaching? Was it college? Yeah, I was an assistant coach at the college level, did some head coaching at the high school level. And I still actually coach my uh, my grandson's in fifth grade. So I'll be coaching him and him and his buddies this year again. So I guess oh, that's once so cool. Blood, yeah, once it gets in your blood, you never lose it. Well, and what's interesting to me is these different age groups have different communication styles that are necessary in order for you to be able to talk to them and explain what you want to get done what you want to be able to accomplish and why it's important. Um, how has the ability to do that, the ability to communicate with people of all age groups for the purposes of accomplishing a goal, such as a basketball team, how has that skill translated directly into your success in business and in coaching? You said the word styles, Amber, and that's that's really so relevant. You have to Understand again whether you're coaching a team or whether you're coaching a group of people, whatever the case might be, whether you're in the workplace, you have to understand people's style. Sometimes you can understand it just by uh, working with them over a period of time, but there's also tools you can use, like you mentioned in my intro, the disc assessments. You can do it informally and formally. But even with my my grandson's team, each of those kids is so different, and and how I relate to them and treat them, you still have to be obviously fair and equal. But you also have to understand that they come from different backgrounds. They bring different baggage on the court when they come after school. You know, it's a little different than when they're adults, but they all have issues and challenges. Is it, though? Because I feel like adults are just like big kids that well, bring that's, their own yeah, issues. That's true. And I, I think they all do bring baggage. It's just a different type of baggage. Right. But, um, yeah. And, and, and when you get to working with adults, again, whether it's the workplace, whether you're coaching them, whatever the case might be, you have to really figure out their styles, either formally or informally. And then you have to figure out a way that you, with your style, can work best with them. And you have to do some, some adapting along the way. But it's, it's a lot about personalities and styles that lead to good communication. 
Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. And this is something I want to spend a little bit of time talking about because people talk about communication and they talk about how important it is. And yet in those conversations, so many times they leave out anything about communication styles. They, they leave out anything about body language. They leave out anything about um, eye contact or how you're communicating with them that way. And instead they focus on words that we use. And you and I both know that the words of communication is the smallest amount, the smallest percentage of what communication really means. So if you wanna break down um, if there was something that you were going to say to people about how they could immediately change the level of communication they're having with others, what is the biggest mistake that you see people making? Well, absolutely. And and the, the study that I often refer to related exactly what you said, Amber, is uh, Albert Moravian did a study where 7% of communication was the content or the words. I think it was about 38% is your tonality and 55% is your, your nonverbal communication, your gestures. And, and that's so important. And we, and we lost so much of that over the last couple of years. And now that people are you know, getting back in the workplace or engaging over Zoom, figuring out ways to communicate, our communication, uh, our communication can improve. But, and, and again, every, every survey that a business does, they're going to talk about, uh, employees are going to talk about communication needs improvement. Yet, what are businesses doing to do that? Are they actually training employees how to communicate? We all can hear and we all can listen to a degree, but are we being active listeners? Are we engaging in conversations? Are we looking at questions to ask during the time when somebody's talk rather than thinking about what we want to say and how we want to like outdo whatever they're talking about? Um, are we, you mentioned eye contact. That's another critical element of doing that. Uh, paraphrasing people after they're speaking. You know, like you might say something and I would go, oh, okay, if I'm, if I'm understanding what you're saying, is this what you mean? Because it helps you become a better listener, an active listener. And it also assures that you truly do understand what people, people mean. And I think, you know, in this day of, of um, social media and, and email to some degree, so much is lost in that communication because we can't, we can't see or feel what the person is saying. And that's such an important part of what communication is, understanding somebody's message. Yeah, absolutely. This is, you know, the problem with having important conversations over text message, right? Is, you know, when I send a text message, I send it with a certain intention. And I think every person that's listening to this, if they're being honest with themselves, has had a moment where they said something sarcastically and then ended up having to spend the rest of their day repairing a relationship because somebody was like, well, that bitch, right? Um, we've all been there. So when we start to really dig into the ways that we can compensate for those things that are missing, what ideas do you have? Well, I think, you know, one of them I kind of mentioned is that, is that restating it or, or asking the, the, the question, um, if, you, if you get a text, if you get an email, and it's like, boy, that doesn't sound like Amber. She can't, you know, that can't be her. Giving her a chance to saying, you know, is this what you meant to say? I think that, that paraphrasing, restating, asking questions and really getting that clarification we're we're such a you know we're such a point and click society now that that we don't take time to really think about the person think about their style think about our relationship with them and what they're saying we like to right away we want to react to something on on facebook you know we want to, we want to reply quickly and again oftentimes we're we're totally misunderstood or or maybe i accidentally left a word out whatever the case might be in our messaging 
And that's why I think, you know, what we're doing and, and, and again, as people get back into the workplace to some degree, although there's still going to be a lot of remote workers out there, it's just, you know, taking that time to make sure we clearly understand the message. I was, I was working uh, with a meat manufacturing company and the, the person I was connected with, uh, kind of the front person for their company, uh, had a great, had a great three words. And those three words are, help me understand. So when somebody says something, you can't believe they said it. You maybe can't believe the way they said it. You can't believe that person said it. By saying, help me understand, it really puts the onus of responsibility on you. You're not pointing your fingers at them saying, oh my gosh, what are you saying? You can't be saying that. You're just saying, help me understand what I'm saying. And subliminally, you're saying, what the heck are you saying? But but it just yeah. comes across so much better when you use those three words. Yeah, you know, I had never realized that that's what I was doing in a little bit of a different context. Um, you know, in my legal profession, in my law degree or in my law career, a lot of times I have to build trust with people very quickly to get them to tell me what actually happened behind what they want to say happened. Um, and what I used to use before I was trained in any style of communication, what I used to use was, you know, I believe everything that you're saying, but I have to convince somebody else. So help me fill in these holes so that I can convince somebody else on your behalf, but I believe you, right? And I didn't even realize until I started getting trained on communication that that whole help me understand, help me share this with somebody else, help me understand it enough that I can communicate it to somebody else on your behalf. Like that's such an incredible place to go in a communication relationship with somebody. Well, it's, yeah, I really like the way you said that too, is I, I totally trust that you're saying, but I have to convince others that what you're saying is the truth. And I think that's a great way of going about it. And, you know, in talking about trust too, that's kind of the next level in communication. Once you get to that point where you built that trust or what, what I like to look at it, and everybody's different with this, right? Like when I meet somebody, when I first met you out in Delaware, I had 100% trust in you. Part of the reason was the people in the group we were involved with, of course, but, but that's kind of a, how I walk into a relationship. You're going to have to break my trust before I'm not going to trust you. But even, but even with that said, how, how am I going to, how am I going to get others to trust you? You have to help me understand that. And I think the way you talked about it in, in the law, your, your legal career is really, it's right on, spot on. Yeah. And that idea of borrowing trust, that's interesting. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Because we talk about that in a sales aspect all the time, right? Borrow the communication or the belief, I'm sorry, borrow the belief that somebody else has in you. So if you get a referral, you're borrowing that relationship to be able to connect to that other person that much more quickly. But we don't often talk about that in communication and trust and borrowing somebody else's trust in you. And I think that if we can intentionally walk into rooms saying, I know that the people that are in this room are automatically going to trust me more than if they didn't have a relationship with the host of this event. That allows us to, number one, have more intentional communication with them. But number two, that's an incredible sense of responsibility to treat that trust with the respect that it deserves. And I think that that is so important from both parties to say, you trust me more because of this. So I'm going to make sure 
that I treat that trust with the level of respect that it deserves when I talk to your people. Yeah, when, when we go into, like we go into networking situations, right? Or, or, or when we were at the, the conference in Delaware, whatever, our, our surroundings are so important to, to developing and elevating that trust in a quick amount of time based on, on other people that are around us. If we meet somebody, um, you know, through a cold call, we have no idea who they are. We bought a list of 100 people and their name was on it. It's really trust. It's really difficult to establish that trust quickly. But if we've developed that through meeting somebody through a connection that was made, people connect each other, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook or however, however they choose to do it, it really elevates it. So we can we can build trust with others based on the people who are around us and a level of trust that they have as well. So I guess you can look at trust as kind of compounding. The more people you surround yourself with who, who you can trust and, and who will follow through on things, who will speak the truth. Um, the quicker you can gain the trust of others as well. Yeah, I love that. Also, you know, I went to a networking event when I first moved to Vegas where they were talking about how for the first 45 minutes that you were at this networking event, you couldn't talk about what you did for a living. And I'm like, well, then what's the purpose of networking, right? And that was when I realized I was doing networking all wrong, right? Because I had only gone to these networking events where you just throw your business cards at people and you don't really build real relationships. Um, and I didn't understand why this worked. I didn't understand why I was building deeper relationships with people at an event where for the first 45 minutes, I couldn't tell them what I did for a living, then I was in an event that was transactional. And just recently, I was watching a video and someone says, hey, let me explain this to you. And they said, here are the reasons that what do you do for a living? And where are you from? Are not always the best questions to start with. And he says, when we are communicating with people, we are looking for things that we have in common. Well, if you're at a networking event, you're hoping to meet people that don't do the same thing that you do. And they're not from the same place that you're from. So if you start with those things, you're wasting precious time rather than finding out who somebody is and where you might start to build that trust because of the things that you have in common. And I think this is a full circle way of networking and communication that allows us to have better businesses and better relationships. A lot of the, uh, you really hit a chord there with me. A lot of the trainings that I do, all, I, I would say all the trainings, that, when I people introduce themselves, I always say, okay, don't tell me what you are. Tell me who you are. Ooh. The fact I know that you're vice president for human resources and blah, 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 doesn't tell me anything about who you are. It tells me you have a title and titles are really meaningless in relationships. But tell me who you are. Tell me what makes you tick. And it's amazing when you start with that, how quickly people's shoulders kind of relax and you can see that you can kind of feel the, the atmosphere change in that room and you can get into some, some deeper connections uh, fairly quickly. Um, one thing I, I just did one, uh, some disc, a disc workshop the other day and I had them, you know, they came up to the board, write their name down, what disc style they were, where they're from. Then they had to say, all right, tell us something few people know about you. I don't want to know your title and what you do. I don't care about that. That doesn't, your skills, your hard skills don't matter. It's your people skills, your leadership skills, your soft skills, and who you are. Uh, in, in some ways, it's it's also like uh, if you think of an iceberg, right? When you see an iceberg, you can see 10% of it. 
And just like with people, we can see 10% of each other, but it's that 90% that's inside of us or, or underwater that is really who we are and what's important in our lives. And that's, that's where the relationships really get to. And that's where in the workplace, for example, you can start having meaningful engagement. And, and that's where, that's what, that's what people are telling us in the workplace that's missing. So really breaking down those walls of titles and the what, and just like you said, tell me who you are, what makes you tick? Uh, you know, you gave me the quick tour of your, of your office. And I can tell a lot about you just by seeing more about you and learning about who you are and the, the fact you have a great dog in the background and, <laughs> and some of those things. And that's all part of, of who we are, right? Yeah, it's true. And I think it's interesting that this is the conversation that we're having, especially today, where um, we're finally starting to realize as people are coming back from COVID, you know, one of the things that this whole shutdown did was remind people how important human connection is and the stuff that doesn't matter as much. And I could never have imagined that I would be practicing law in an office with my office mascot, my little dog that you guys saw just a minute ago, she's not little, um, hanging out in my office. But when I started looking for the space, I told my real estate agent, I said, if they can't, if it's not dog friendly, I don't even want to look at it. I don't even care how important it is. Um, when I was talking to a client the other day and he says, so um, what do I call you? Do I call you counsel? And I'm like, no, my name's Amber. <laughs> and they're like, well, okay, but what do I call you? And I'm like, you can call me Amber. And especially in a field where it seems like the higher you go with education, the more those labels get attached, the more that you wonder who am I in this room versus who I am, am I in this room? And the moment that I stripped all that away and said, every room that I walk into, I'm just Amber. And these are all parts of me was the moment that I actually started to break down those walls that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. And I've been in jobs where, matter of fact, I just, I recently left the chamber of commerce world. And, and one of the things is that most nonprofit leaders are called executive directors. And in the chamber world, they were trying to encourage people to change their title to president or CEO. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to do that because I'm going to develop a relationship with this person where they're not going to care what my title is. They just know they're going to be able to trust me. I'm going to be honest in our communication together. I'm going to be, I'm going to be vulnerable to a point and all that, all that stuff doesn't matter. So call me Todd. Here's my phone number and let's get yeah. some stuff done. I don't care. I don't care what my title is. Plus, they're going to call you whatever comes to their mind anyways, right? So it doesn't matter what you call yourself. It matters, um, you know, that title of CEO or managing partner or whatever it is. Um, what somebody else sees you as is what they're going to call you anyways. So and, and I they, love that. Yeah, and they see you as who you are. Again, <clears throat> yeah. a person, a person that, you can, that you can trust, right? So somebody's listening to this and they're saying, man, I thought that communication was just me telling my staff what to do during the day and that I didn't understand why people were dropping the ball everywhere and seemed to not be getting the message that I was sending them. Where do they go to find some of the resources that may lay the foundation for increasing their communication skills? Well, I would say reach out to one of us to start with. <laughs> you know, I have those conversations. There's a there's a lot of stuff out there about communication. About about it really it really boils down to leadership. Uh, good good leaders are good communicators, and there, you know there's two different styles. There's there's management and there's leadership. 
And I think where the workplace was, you know, years ago, 10, 15, 20 years ago, some places still today, is that management part where you you told people what they had to do. And 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 I think the the buy-in from employees is much greater if they're involved in the decision making. Um, yeah. every place I've been where I where I've worked, I always the employees are always now, you know, if I'm the executive director, I'm gonna make the ultimate decision, but I'm a lot smarter if I when I've got smart people around me. And I want to utilize those people to help me solve the problems. And again, it falls back to that too often we think about their title because they're not a director or don't have a title or whatever. We don't think they're, they're, they have the ability. Um, I, did, I did a session uh, actually with, a, with the same business and we did some small group sessions and these were basically frontline or leads in the manufacturing business. The executive leadership team came in and facilitated the small groups of these people doing some work about values. When the session was done and all the people left the room except, except these executive leaders, they're all like, oh my gosh, I learned so much. I can't believe what I learned because I never had those conversations and thought maybe because those people are on the front line and didn't have a, a super duper degree, they didn't have the ability to help. But they were actually they were actually doing the stuff. And the executive team was far. So so there's, there's so much wisdom in your organization and it, it doesn't stop at a, a spot on the food chain or the org chart. It, it stops when you stop talking to people and asking for what, what they think about something. Yeah, and I think this is what great leaders do well, is one of the many things that great leaders do well. Um, but they know how to put people in the places where they are going to excel the most, whether or not that is the educational or title that they carry with them, right? Whether that's the experiences or not, they're able to look at somebody and say, hey, I think that you're really going to thrive in this task and break down all of the other expectations of what should be going on in the office. Um, and this leads me to another conversation that I've had with many people um, and I'm excited to have your feedback on is the problem that we have right now in the corporate culture of promotion styles. So it seems like for the most part, what happens is you do a good job and then you get a raise and then you get a promotion. And then eventually if you do everything that you're supposed to do, then you lead a team. Well, the things that you were good at that led you to that point didn't require leading a team. And so we're taking people who are not good leaders, you know, somebody who's a good copywriter, for example, and we're saying, hey, you're a great copywriter, so we're going to have you lead a team of copywriters. And then they fail, and we don't understand why, because they were a good copywriter. So I know that you have a ton to say on this topic. How do we start to break this? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, you, you take your, your, best, your best salesperson, your top salesperson of, of five or 10 or 20, whatever people, and you make them your sales manager yeah. and your sales start declining and you can't figure out why because you got your best salesperson. But there's a difference between doing it and then teaching it or leading it. It's like in the, in the basketball world, you know, you take your best player and that player becomes a coach. Well, they may have been a great player and had those skills. But like you're saying, Amber, being a leader, it brings a, a whole different set of skills. And those businesses, those organizations that have figured out that to move their leaders, to move their people up the ladder where they become leaders is they do need additional training that bringing someone in like, like you or myself to help the organization and figure out those, those key leadership skills. It's a whole lot different leading than it is doing something. And that's, yeah. that's where a lot of that is, is lost. And, and a lot of good people are lost because now that sales manager who got fired 
Uh, they they lost their best salesperson because they yeah. didn't, and it wasn't fair to that person because they didn't train him or her uh, in the best way to become that leader and help them make those changes and understand the significance of of the relationships and all the things that we've already talked about communication and and trust. So what do you think is, and we may have already talked about it, I don't know. What do you think is the number one thing that you wish people knew about how to best lead organizations? I think I think it's it, 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 if you scrape away all the titles and blaming this HR, blaming sales, blaming marketing, blaming production, peel everything away, it comes down to personality in the workplace. It's the same thing in our home, right? It comes down to it comes down to personality, except we get to it quicker in our home life because people know us in a different way. But in the workplace, none of the other stuff, all that matters is personality. And that's why things don't get accomplished or don't get accomplished as well as they could, because we don't have that respect for other people as people, as as who they are. And it's really difficult to build that trust around these facades of organizational charts. I mean, I understand you have to have them. I'm not saying eliminate organizational charts. There has to be some some structure, just like there is in a in a family. But but focus on the person, focus on things like like core values. What makes a difference in people's lives? You don't have to know what what color shoe little Susie wears to school every day, but knowing the fact that little Susie's part of their family and maybe little Susie just had some surgery and maybe that's why this person isn't functioning as well as an employee as they were, because again, they come into work with, with this, I'll, you know, I'll call it baggage, but there, there's challenges in their lives. And we often don't under, understand that. So, I mean, there is a fine line between becoming best buddies and still respecting some structure, but you have to really understand, understand who you, who the people are. And then the next step is knowing everybody understanding why their business exists. Again, back to this business I worked with, this meat manufacturer, we came back after they have four months at the end of the year where they're, they do a lot of mail order, right? Smoke meats and things for the holidays. And they came back after January 1st. I could see they were wiped. This committee of 20 people is a culture committee. So I started talking about how I had bought a turkey from them, a smoked turkey. And we had it for Thanksgiving and how my family <laughs> gathered around the table and we laughed and we cried, we cried and we joked and we teased each other. We watched football games and had a great day. And it all really centered around that smoked turkey that we had for Thanksgiving. And there, you could see the light turn on like, oh, I never thought of the fact I cut bones or meat off of bones, mm. that that was impacting some family's life for a holiday when they get together. So, you know, it, it gets back to that personality, who they are, st styles, trust, and, and what they're doing to make a difference in their positions. Those stories are so important because I think that we all, especially when times get stressful and those things start to pick up in our life, I think that we all forget that that person that's doing what might be seeming the small, medial job, um, that they sometimes forget that the big things don't get done without them. I tell my paralegals all the time, my name might be on the door, but this office doesn't run without you, right? Like this is, you're the important ones in the office. We used to have a saying, do you want to talk to the attorney or do you want to talk to the person who knows what's going on with your case, <laughs> right? Because they are on the front lines of that, right? And um, it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in the menial 
filing, scanning, you know, similar to what you were talking about, meat production, and forget that at the end of the day, there is a family that has memories with a grandpa or grandma for the last time, or, um, you know, is going to be able to share these family memories because of what we do. And that changes everything completely. Well, and it, and it goes, it goes to the point too that a, a good leader will push the success out to the people that, that they work with and they'll accept the blame. Uh, there are some football coaches, for example, you know, or how we're into the football season now, obviously in college and NFL and the good coaches after a game, if they lose, they'll say, you know what, that that's on me. I didn't have the team ready. I didn't have the staff ready. We didn't do the right things. And when they win the game, they say, Hey, our assistant coaches worked really hard prepping for this team and the players were focused. You know, the, that's, that's a good leadership about is about. And just like what you said, you know, you, you, you spread the you spread the success and the wealth and the gratitude to the people you work with, and then when there's a problem, you take it on yourself because it's something that that you did. Even though you may know, you know, it's it's uh, again with coaching. I didn't do a good enough job working on that particular skill this week. Yeah. that we were going to have to focus on. So that's that's another example of, of of quality leadership. Yeah, one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around was that there's no bad listening, only bad communication. And so every time somebody didn't understand what I was asking them to do in my early days of being an attorney, um, I would be like, why don't they understand? Why don't they understand? When the real question is, where am I failing to communicate this to them in a way that they understand? And I think that that goes just to what you're talking about. If my staff is like, oh, I didn't know that's what you meant. That's not their fault. That's my fault. That's my problem. I think, I think about a, uh, a strategic plan I was working on when I was at uh, United Way and I started the plan. It wasn't where the CEO and the board was pushing down all these things on us. We started where all 16 members of our team wrote down what their individual goals were going to be. Then we built those up into the department. Then we built those up into my unit. Then we built those up into the organization. And the people that had to execute and carry out the job, they helped build that strategic plan. So they, they built into it. They, they, they bought into it. Excuse me. They bought into that plan because they had a role in it. And they saw that they were as critical to the success as anybody else was. It wasn't about somebody in, a, in their ivory tower pushing down this, this mandate on what they had to do. We developed it. And along the way, got a lot of good advice from different people as well. So it was a real team, team approach to strategic planning. And we were very successful. We, we had 11% goals over three years. We got some new staff positions and it you know, worked really well. Again, that's because everybody felt they had a role in, in building the plan. Therefore, they were more willing to execute it and give that extra uh, ounce of, of energy. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, you are out there speaking, you're coaching, you're training, you're teaching, you're doing all of these amazing things. What are you most excited for in the 12 to 24 months to come? Well, I, my whole goal is to revolutionize company culture and leadership. And that's what I'm excited about. There's so much opportunity out there because organizations need it so much. And any way I can get out there and share that message the other interesting thing is that as I go out and do this work, and I'll tell the people I work with, I often get a lot more out of it than I than I get. You know, my, my goal is to add more value than I receive, and I receive so much, so it, it's pushing <laughs> me to give out that you know to give more value. But I, I can I can feel, even though I'm not doing a widget or a product, I'm doing this. I can feel how it's impacting organizations, and just you know I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm revolutionizing the universe. 
but I, I can sense with people that by walking them through some of the things that we do again with, with core values, with styles, uh, with how differences make us better, getting out of your comfort zone, how it's impacting people. And I, I just want to continue to be able to do more and more of that. I, I, I spent the last week, I've been to every corner of our state practically going out and talking to schools and businesses. And as you can tell, it gets me, it gets me jazzed and excited just talking about the possibilities. But, and I really think it's so, it's, it's so critical now too. Um, and I think, you know, the talent retention, obviously attracting employees is tough, but you better be working on retaining your employees, the ones you yes. have and making them feel a different, feel that they're making a difference. And, you know, some businesses will have, and I, I don't, I'm not saying these are not good ideas, but some people think, you know, buying donuts or having a beer keg in the in the break room or, you know, ping pong tables. I mean, that that's all fine and, and good, but it's about people. It's about yeah. personalities. It's about relationships and and creating that that engaging environment where there's where there's meaningful engagement with the employees. Yeah. You know, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day because he reached out to me and he was like, hey, what do you think are the best things that should go into my corporate plan for um compensating my employees like um should i give them like massage gift cards should i give them you know what what type of incentives or or rewards should i give them and i said i don't know what do they want yeah exactly and he's exactly. like well well i don't know and i'm like me neither bingo like they're not my employees right so i think it's so simple to be like hey what's important to you if i was to get you a massage gift card like would you use that is that something that you would find valuable i personally um i'm a disruptor when it comes to the legal profession <laughs> i don't want my staff to be in the office anymore that i want to be in the office so if they call me and they're like hey i'm um just not feeling it today i'm like hey can you answer the phones from home you want to work from home today? Work from home today. I don't care where you're at as long as the job's getting done. And if they say, Amber, I, did, I just need a day. I'm like, take your day. Go do what you need to do. Go as long as the needs of the business are done, done, go do what you need to do. Because I learned a long time ago that what you're saying is 100% true. Um, my, I had an old boss who used to tell people in interviews, your family isn't my problem. Your, um, your kids, while I am sure you love them, they are not my concern. Oh my so goodness. while you are here, I need 100% of your energy. And he has turnover like nobody's business and can't figure out why. Can't figure out why. Yeah, I, I took a position recently and I don't <laughs> want to say what it is in case somebody's listening. But um, it was very much like that when I started. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. No, you know, and I just flipped it. So, you know, if people had their, if they had a, a kid had a football game at 4:30, they want to leave it at four. Yeah, go, go, fine, get out of here. Or the babysitter was sick and they wanted to work from home. Fine, do you know, and I and they would be more productive because I let them do that, you know, than yeah. if I'm like trying to push my thumb down their throat to make them act or behave a certain way. Just those, those sorts of it wasn't about. Wasn't about the compensation. Wasn't about any frills. It was just about I've got a life and I've got yeah. I've, I've got kids or a dog or I've got to run an errand or you know whatever whatever the kid or I'm not I'm I'm not feeling up to it. You know what I mean? You know they had to take PTO sometimes for but being flexible. And I realize that in some businesses that's that's dip more difficult to do. But but just that that mentality in the workplace of I want to help you out 
because I know you're a human being and there's issues and challenges for you, just like there are for, for me right? Yeah. and for my family. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. I run three businesses. There are days that I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to people today. Like I ain't doing it. And if I need to call my staff and say, I need you to clear my schedule today, then what makes me think that they don't need days where they need to call me and be like, Amber, right. I need you to clear my schedule today. Right. Like, why does it work one way, but not the other? Because like, my like name's the, on the door. Exactly. Like the, the CEO on men's or ladies day at the golf course, and they leave the office early, you know, like it's no big deal. And then their employee asks for a half hour and it's like, you've committed yeah. a mortal sin. And, it's and, you know, so another, true. Little, another little thing too, as uh, another company um, was working with and, and the guy told me, we got, we got the employees electric tools and how big of a difference that made. And I'm like, why, why would it matter if it's electric or, you know, portable electric or whether you plug it into a wall? He said, well, the cords kept getting in the way. And, and just that little thing of making it a, a, a electric uh, tool that they didn't have to plug in and the, it was, was like huge. It was bigger than if they had gotten a 10% raise. But again, that's something where they, like you said, talk to your employees do they do they want do they want this gift card? Do they want this massage thing, or you know right. what what might be helpful? And we're working. I'm working with another business right now, and we created a we're creating a survey uh, of of incentives and what what matters to people. And the things don't matter. It's it's the it's the people part, like we've been talking yeah. about. Those that's what matters, and that's what'll that's what'll retain your people. And then those people you retain, if they're having a great experience. They'll go to dinner on Friday night and tell the world about what a great place they're working. And you won't need to worry yeah. about advertising anywhere because they'll spread the message. It's really so quickly. true. It's so true. You know, Texas Roadhouse was a good example of this for, for me. I love Texas Roadhouse and I worked there through law school and they I've grown up in restaurants. And I've always said that if somebody will work at a restaurant and then eat at that restaurant, then there's something that's going on right there <laughs> because we get so much of that food, you know, that we're constantly around. Um, and even now Texas Roadhouse is the best company that I've ever worked for, for exactly what you're just talking about. And I leave and I haven't worked there since 2012. So we're 10 years out. And yet I'm still having conversations with people about how Texas Roadhouse treats their employees. Well, when it comes to who you want to spend your money with, do you want to go to a place where they're saying, hey, the employees couldn't get time off? Or do you want to go to a place where somebody says 10 years ago, I worked for this company and it was the best job I ever had. Like it, People underestimate the value that that has in where people want to spend their money. It's like the quick, quick, trip, quick trip gas stations. And I think they're in the Midwest now. And when you leave there, the last thing they say is, Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. And, and you, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's coming, you know, it's, they're going to say it every time. And when they say it, it still makes me smile. And when I'm driving down, I was driving around the state yesterday and I was going to find a quick trip gas station, to get gas. Cause I wanted that person to say that to me, but yeah, yeah how you treat people is so valuable. So here's what's crazy. And I can't believe I didn't even think about this until just now. So I'm not a coffee drinker. I maybe drink one cup of coffee every six months. Mm. Um, and if I do, it's filled with sugar and caramel and all of the <laughs> things that make coffee, not coffee. Um, but I will go to Dutch Brothers three times a week, Dutch Brothers coffee. And I don't drink coffee and I will pay like five bucks 
for a tea that I could have made at home. <laughs> and it's because they are so damn happy. Like, I, do they have Dutch Brothers in Wisconsin? No, they don't. Not that I'm okay. aware anyway. So in your travels, if you ever get an opportunity to go to a Dutch Brothers coffee, you need to go. Because I know as the leadership guy, you'll love this. Um, every Dutch Brothers I've ever been to, they're the happiest people on the planet. Like they make you laugh. They're always like super conversational. You always feel like you are with your best friends. And there are days where I'm just having a bad day. And I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. And I find myself in a Dutch brother's line getting coffee. I'm not going to drink. Um, but I started to think about what is it that makes somebody who doesn't drink coffee preach about a coffee shop? Um, and I was watching Undercover Boss, oh, and I learned that Dutch Brothers was created by two brothers. They're Dutch, Dutch Brothers. Um, but one of their foundations is that they won't even sell a franchise to somebody who has not worked for the company for at least three years. Oh, my God. Because really? in that three years, you learn the company culture. You learn what they want in the brand name that they're putting out into the world. And if you don't have the positivity and the high energy and the care for people, you don't make it those three years. After three years of employment, you can apply to own a franchise. And to me, like that's the best way to make sure your company culture stays the way it's supposed to nationwide. If you don't know the company, right? Why would why would you sell them a, sell them a franchise? It's, yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned coffee because I'm not a coffee drinker either. But there's a place in our community. There's a couple of them now, three or four of them, called Mission Coffee House, and I go there regularly. And I don't drink coffee, and I'll pay a little more for a bottle of soda or something because of the the atmosphere and the attitude and the fact that they're very engaged in the community too. So yeah, just yeah. just it, it, you don't have to want the product, but you want you want the atmosphere and the people. Yeah, absolutely. So I love what you're doing. I love the leadership conversations. I love that we are in a time in business ownership and and entrepreneurship where leadership is coming at the front of the conversation instead of the back of it. I feel like for maybe the last 20 years or so, it's all been sales, 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 and then leadership second. And now we're starting to realize that leadership is what drives your sales to be in a better situation. And so I love the messages that you're spreading. I love how you do it. Um, if anybody wants to reach out and have a conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, my I have a website and it's my first name and last name, toddkukon.com. I'm active on LinkedIn. I've act, I'm active on, on Facebook. Um, I can, if you want, I can give you my email address, but there's a lot of different ways you can you can reach out to me as long as you can spell my spell my name. That's important. But, uh, <laughs> we will definitely make sure that the link is in the show notes so that they do not have to guess. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough name to spell, but no, I, I love talking to people. And, and um, I I had uh, lunch the other day with somebody, a, a young leader in our community, and she said, "Hey, she was taking a leadership course of mine actually through the through another chamber, and she said, can we get together sometime for lunch?'" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." I have lunch with uh, university students if, if they have a lunch of the leader program. I love I it. Ha, you know, I'll because I'll, because when I was their age and when I was growing up in the business, I had people that I could look up to that were my role models and mentors and, and leaders in my life who would take those moments and sit down with me without expecting a, a check or anything and just have a conversation on how I can become a better person. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. We will go ahead and put that in the show notes so that people can reach out and have a conversation with you. Um, also, you can comment on any of the socials that we share this on and Todd will see it and we'll be able to engage with you that way. Todd, I ask every single one of my guests this question because I think that it is the single most important question that people need to be able to answer in order to have the life, the business and the relationships that they want. And I also think it is the least asked question in business ownership today. So I'm curious to know your answer. What does success mean to you and how do you define it for yourself? That's a lot of pressure leading up to a question. <laughs> but um, no, success to me is at, at this point in my life is leaving a legacy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, left, I left the workplace at 63 to go full-time into my leadership business. I was doing Love it part-time before. And because I decided that leaving a legacy for my kids and other people I know that you can do it you can do it when you're ready, whatever age you want to. I certainly wish I'd started it at 23 instead of 63, but you can do it and you can make a difference. And, and everyone has a message and everyone needs to hear your message. Now, it might not resonate with all people, but everybody has a great message and you need to get out there and share that message. And that's what I've been trying to do. And I know it's impacted uh, many people and I, I hope to impact many more. I love it. I love it. Todd, I've had an absolutely incredible time talking with you today. I know that you are changing lives and organizations in what you do every single day. So I just want to um, say thank you for everything that you do for the world. And thank you for having um, taking the time to come on and chat with us today. Well, this was awesome. I, I've actually, I've worked up a sweat. I'm getting so excited, Amber, talking to you. And I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe our time's up, but I really enjoyed it. You're a blast and I'm glad we met and I'm glad we're continuing our friendship and hope we're helping more people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in. The name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.